0: Aloha men of abundance. Today's conversation is just a little bit longer than normal so I'm going to go ahead and get right into it but I just want to make sure that you get an opportunity to be abundant in your life today and share this episode because many men are going to definitely benefit from this conversation today. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast player wherever it is that you're listening to this so that you don't miss our very first five-minute Aloha Friday where I'm going to be sharing my thoughts of the week. Now let's get right into our conversation. All right, men of abundance, we have on the line today a man that is going to blow your mind. I'm telling you what, I met this guy several years ago and we met online and the journey that he went on and the journey that he's going to share with you today, I'm sure, is. Truly life-changing, and not only for his own life, for many other people's lives as well. Now Dave, like many other people, uh, spent much of his adult life battling an an addiction, but not the typical addiction most people think about, but make no mistake about it, it it is an addiction nonetheless, and it was a fast food addiction that nearly cost him his life. And his doctors told him that he would not reach his 30th birthday if he did not make some changes and I'm telling you if that's not something to stop you in your tracks and make you want to make some changes I don't know what is. So obviously uh, he decided to make those changes. And that was New Year's Day 2013 when he decided to make, start making those changes and get away from eating fast food. And last I talked to him, he has not eaten fast food since then. He's lost over 150 pounds. He's got his life back. And he's on a mission to help so many other people. And he's already helped many people uh, fight their mental blocks that, that are holding them back. Uh, and I just can't say enough about this guy. Today we are talking to Dave McCain. Dave, welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Wally. This is this is uh, this is really an honor.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's way past due, brother. I mean, we've we were talking for quite a bit for a while there, and then. Um, we you know we got busy you got we had a lot of stuff going on in fact we're going to talk about it later but your wife had a lot of amazing things going on which i talk about all the time i'm like i know somebody who's been on that show and we're going to talk about that i'm sure in a minute just because i want to uh because it's it's a great story in itself and and it adds to the whole um idea of you getting uh you know getting your health back in because of what her specialty is and we'll we'll talk Absolutely. about that in just a minute but so um where are you at in the world
1: i am in the suburbs of philadelphia right now i'm in a place called fort washington pennsylvania so it's right outside of philly
0: i have not been to those parts yet
1: not much to, not much to see here not much to see here
0: <laughs> what holds you there are you from there
1: this is yeah this is where i live i live uh Yeah, right here in, like, Abington, Willow Grove area. Uh, That's probably, if anybody's from around the area, they'll recognize those names. Probably a little more than Fort Washington. Fort Washington's just kind of like an exit off of the turnpike. Um, So, but, yeah, Philly's where all the action happens. Nothing happens out here.
0: (laughs) there's beauty in everywhere i've ever been even in places that i would rather not be but we'll leave it at that at this point because i haven't haven't actually been there so as you know before we get too much into the show i like to start the show off the same way i start off pretty much every single morning and it makes a huge difference in my life to do so and that is to start off with an attitude attitude of gratitude what do you have to be grateful for today dave
1: i'll tell you what i'm grateful for a lot and you know a lot of it has to do with your intro um You know the the idea that today I woke up and I didn't have the burden of health hanging over my head uh, and I've had the ability to utilize this extra time that I now have Um, you know like you said that doctor told me you know I wasn't gonna see 30 um, and you know now that I have that time being able to utilize that time to help others and and really make a difference in some people's lives um, with the rest of this time that I have has really made a huge difference for me and that's what I'm really thankful for today.
0: That is indeed something to be thankful for on your own account as far as having your health every single day as opposed to what you did before. Describe that time of you know, how you were feeling even before the doctor's appointment, even before the doctors told you you weren't gonna make 30, your 30th mm-hmm. birthday. Um, how were you feeling at that point in your life?
1: I'll tell you what, it's. It's interesting how resilient we can be, no matter what our health situation is. Uh, to be really honest with you, Wally, I felt I felt okay. I felt like I was good. I felt like I was healthy. You know, I was a former athlete my entire life, and and being an, an offensive lineman at a very high level. You know, I went to D one football, full scholarship, and you know, my entire life, I was told to just you know, you can eat whatever you want because you're playing center. In uh, you know in in Division One football, you're supposed to be big. You're supposed to be this big guy, and so you know in playing football, I'm burning five thousand calories a day. I'm working out all the time, but I'm not eating well. I'm eating fast food, and you know once I left college and and I go into the real world, and nobody's telling me I have to work out for five hours a day like I did when I was playing football. I maintain the same diet and you know, it just progressed and progressed. I was eating fast food almost every single day. And, um, actually I was eating it every single day, almost every single meal ended up being around a $400 a month bill for me. Um, and you know, it, I think grand total, I think we, me and my wife added it up at one point point. I spent nearly $12,000 on fast food in the course of a couple years. And, um, and, and so in that time, I was so focused on my career, I was so focused on the other things that were going on in my life. I just graduated college that I felt like I was fine. What brought me to that doctor's visit was two things. Number one, I was having heartburn. And I was sick of constantly spending money on heartburn medication, like the over-the-counter stuff, the Prilosex and stuff like that. It was like $40 a week. And I didn't want to spend that anymore. So, like, maybe I can get a prescription. The other thing was, I did notice, you know, from my wedding pictures that I was getting big. I was great at avoiding cameras, Wally. I was amazing at it. I, I was like a superpower. There were no pictures of me in like from the 2012 to 2013 range when I gained all of my weight. Um, and that's something we'll get back to. But the question you asked, you know, how did I feel? You know, apart from you know the the heartburn and things like that. I was so out of touch with, and I, and I attribute this to what I call body dysmorphia, um, I really had no idea what I looked like because I was never faced with it. I never looked in the mirror. I never, you know, looked at pictures of myself, and nobody ever took pictures of me. So I really had no idea how big I was until I walked into that doctor's office.
0: You know, two things I get from that, and one, I literally just had this conversation recently with... Uh a medical doctor, Doctor Zerowski, as a matter of fact, who is was episode number sixty-three, number sixty-four, episode number sixty-four, with mm-hmm. Doctor Nicholas Zarovsky and we had that conversation about specifically about bodybuilders. There was a, a belief back in the day, and it still is today with a lot of people that if you're, you know, you're building muscle, you're just a big person. It's okay. You can eat fast food. You can eat whatever you want. Was the statement I made. What. No matter what, and the fact of the matter is, obviously you can't. And the point that I got from what you were talking about is, you felt okay. You felt that was fine. Yep. That was normal.
1: And what was amazing? What was amazing about that was, like I said, it went, and and hopefully next we'll be able to get into that doctor's visit of what actually happened. But you know, I had no idea. I felt like the everything that was going on with my body at the time. I felt like that was normal, and. I didn't realize until after how good healthy actually feels and how bad I was actually feeling back then. But if I put myself back in that mindset of what I was like back then and, and you know day to day and everything like that, you would have thought, I mean, if you would have asked me right to my face with a lie detector test, are you healthy? I would have said yes until that doctor says it, which was just which is exactly what changed my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I hadn't considered is what you're talking about with the cost of how much you were mm-hmm. spending on fast food and a lot of people think well everybody's eating fast food because it's so cheap but you know now it's not
1: right and especially compared to meal prepping and things like that it's not even close I mean the the amount of money I save in eating healthy has been astronomical
0: yeah and you know that's, it's. it's I honestly think that's the first time I've ever had that conversation with somebody other than the, the circles that we, you and I operate in, and we'll get into that in a minute, but seriously, um, the fast food, it costs so much, but more than that, even if you, you want to continue with the argument that to eat healthy is expensive, you still have to consider the long-term consequences, and what are the hospital bills going to end up costing you when you have diabetes and all these degenerative diseases that are mostly preventable through your diet and through your meal plan?
1: And I'll tell you what, that's exactly, and I'll, I mean, that just segues right into that doctor's visit, and that's exactly right, and that's what I was facing. So I walk into this doctor's office, and you know, what is, what's the first thing that, that happens when you go into a doctor's office for anything? The nurse tells you to get on the scale, right? They take mm-hmm. your vitals. And so I walk into this doctor's office, and literally all I want is a prescription for some kind of uh, prescription heartburn medication. That's all I want because to me, that was the only thing that was wrong. Um, and so the nurse takes my blood pressure. She kind of looks at it, looks at me. Um, I asked her if it was good, she didn't answer me. And then she tells me to step on the scale. And so Wally, this was, this is, was the easiest thing for me to avoid because my, most of my life I've been over 300 pounds and as I went into college, I played football at like 350 pounds. So I knew that that I was more than that, um, just from like the shirt sizes that I wear and the pants size that I wear. So I told the nurse that I weighed around 355, 360 pounds. And I, I mean, all conventional scales go up to 350 pounds, right? So this was like an easy lie for me to make. And this was not only to kind of protect myself from embarrassment, but to also avoid something that scared me. And that was the scale and how much I actually weighed. Um, It was almost like a subconscious battle that I had and it was it was a pretty incredible one Not one that I even recognized until I had gotten healthy and was able to look back with a clearer state of mind So she tells me to get on the scale And I say I weigh 355 and she goes well actually this scale goes up to 450 pounds So at this moment, I'm like "Oh, great. Here we go now now I have to now now I have to face that lie the extent of whatever lie I was telling people I told people I weighed 355 pounds. I knew I didn't weigh 355 pounds. I knew I weighed more than that. I didn't want to know how much I weighed, but now I have to face it. So I strip as much clothes off as I can without getting embarrassed. I let out as many deep breaths as I can, hopefully to like push some, a pound worth of air out of my body or something. (laughs) I wasn't thinking clearly. Um, (laughs) But, and then so I step on the scale and the scale's reading, 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 And then it says error. Oh, Lord. And I look at the nurse and I say, you know, what happened? And she goes, I don't know. Let me, you know what, let me try and calibrate it. So the nurses, they calibrate it by weighing themselves in the morning or whatever. So she hops on the scale. She said, it's reading fine. Try it again. Step back on the scale. Reading, reading, error. It was a 450-pound scale and I didn't fit on it. Hmm. I weighed over 450 pounds on that day and I had no idea. I I literally, I was as shocked as the nurse. And so, when I walked into that doctor's office, he gave me that laundry list. The diabetes, the heart disease, the sleep apnea, all of these things that I was currently facing or going to be facing if I continued on that path. And that's when he looked me right in the eye. I was 26 years old. He looked me right in the eye and he said, if you keep this lifestyle up, you will not see 30. And You know to me that was the day that changed my life forever you know I walked out of that doctor's office I sat in my car and I sobbed and I cried and I cried and I cried couldn't even drive and the first thing that came into my head was I had just married my wife who you had mentioned earlier I promised her that I would be there for her forever I would be there I would be there to raise kids run circles around our grandkids forever and ever, and now I have to go home and tell her that she's gonna be a widow before her 29th birthday, and she has to do all of those things with somebody else. That broke me inside. Not because I, it it broke me because I didn't think I could change. (laughs) I didn't think I could change my life in that moment. And, you know, finally, After sitting there for what felt like five hours, I just looked in my rearview mirror and I said, shut up and get to work. And that following New Year's is when I started my journey and when I cut fast food out. And that was uh, January 1st, 2013. And that's when it all began.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that sounds like a pretty, pretty deep kick in the gut moment there. Yep. And uh, you started to alluding to kind of the pivot point because you're not quite there yet. What no. was the What was the point that, where you made the decision and the realization that uh, you were just going to cut out fast food and, and get on the right track?
1: The funniest part, and, and the funniest part about that actually is that doctor's visit was the end of October. So it took between the end of October and January 1st to me, for me to actually make a change. And what actually made me change, and this is something that I I think a lot of people have experienced themselves, but I don't know if it's true. So I'll just, you know, frame it in this way. It's three o'clock in the morning. I come home after drinking all night. I sit down on my couch. I put a frozen pizza in the oven. As that frozen pizza is cooking, a man named Sean T is on my television set. And he's running through this this ridiculous workout. And I played I played college football. I've seen every workout that there is. So I'm looking at him doing this. And you know the way the infomercial is working or er, is presenting this workout. It's like a really crazy um, intense workout program that's only for like the elite athletes. And me, I'm like, you know what? I was an elite athlete once. I could do this program. So I order this program called Insanity. And this is me, three o'clock in the morning, ordering this program. And literally, I, Wally, I can't make this up. I forgot I even ordered it. <laughs> it comes, it comes a week later, and it just shows up on my doorstep. And I'm like, who the heck ordered this? And I'm like, was this like a hint, like from somebody that I need to lose weight, or was this like a gift? I don't know what this what this is. And and it, sure enough, I ordered it, and I put the first DVD in, and. I tried the workout, this is like sometime in December, I tried the the first workout, and I failed miserably, and this is the beginning of December, failed miserably, put that workout back in the case, put it on the shelf, and didn't look at it again until New Year's Eve came around, and it was just a, a New Year's resolution to myself. I said, you know what, if I'm gonna change, I gotta change now, and that's when I decided the fast food had to go on January 1st, and then, After that, um, Sean T showed back up (laughs) on my, uh, newsfeed on Facebook and introduced this birthday challenge that he was doing. And, um, I mean, I can get into that story if you want, but that's, that's also a funny story in itself. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. I, I
0: think I remember that birthday challenge.
1: Yeah. So that's, so my, my fitness journey began, um, a couple months after I stopped eating fast food and, um. So, what actually happened was Shanti pops up on my newsfeed. I don't know how, I don't remember ever following him, uh, but he pops up with this thing called a birthday challenge. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was probably one of my friends who posted it, uh, who, who's a, who was a beach buddy coach. So, he pops up on my newsfeed and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing this birthday challenge. We're going to do insanity together the whole 63 days. He was going to do it with us, and then it was going to end on his birthday. And So I was pretty I was pretty pumped up about that and I was pumped up about that because what he actually said was One lucky person at the end of this challenge is going to get to work out with me I'm gonna fly out to your hometown and we are gonna work out together at your personal gym and me I'm a very competitive person. So I hear this and I'm like I'm, I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna get the best results. Shaun T's gonna fly to my house. We're gonna become best friends. We're gonna start a reality show together. And I'm <laughs> gonna move out to California with me and my wife. My wife's gonna be his personal chef. And then we're just gonna be, you know, that's how we're gonna live our life. <laughs> so this is this is what I assume is going to happen at the end of this challenge. Uh, you know, obviously, person with the best results wins, uh, in my mind. And so we start this. We start this thing. And I'm going along, I'm, I'm I, I, for the first thing I did was I told my entire timeline. I said, look, I typed this on my Facebook. I'm about to start insanity. I am not very good at holding myself accountable, so I need you to hold me accountable. I need to, I need you to to make sure I post a picture of me after my workout and a picture of my meals every single day. And if I don't, I want you to text me, I want you to shoot me an email, a message, whatever you gotta do to to hold me accountable for this. And my friends loved hearing that because my friends, look, I'm the biggest one of my friends. I'm the one that's that's the loudest and the one that always cuts jokes on people. And they, having the chance to hold me accountable and yell at me, they were dying to do that, Wally. They, they, were, they were all in on that. So I utilized them as like my coach at the time. And, uh, and so I started, and 63 days later, after I, I did everything, I ate perfectly, I did the workouts, I got on the scale, my first time getting on the scale in the entire 63 days of insanity. And I lost 55 pounds, in my first round. And so I look at that number, I'm really excited. Again, you gotta understand, when I look in the mirror, no matter how much I weigh, I see the same person. And that is a mental block that I have and I still have it to this Mm -hmm. day. Uh, And so when I was looking at myself while doing this, I lost 55 pounds and barely saw a difference until I looked at that scale and I realized the difference. Now, all of that aside, obviously I felt better, I felt stronger, I I could actually run, I could do things that I couldn't do before. And all I could think of when I saw that number on the scale go down by 55 pounds is, I'm gonna get to work out with Shaun T. I just won this challenge. (laughs) I was so excited about that. And so, uh, Sean T. comes on at the end of the challenge. We all sent in our before and after pictures. We sent in our stories. And Sean T. comes on and he says, uh, you know, congratulations to everybody who who competed in this challenge. It was great. Uh, The results were outstanding. And the winner of the birthday challenge will be chosen at random. What? So, I was... (laughs) Look, I have never in my life hated Beachbody more. And more. I, I Oh my gosh. I was so upset. I was like, this is all ridiculous. I just worked so hard to get the best results so that I can work out with Sean T. And so what I actually did was, and I was like, this had to have been like, there had to have been a rule sheet or something that says this. So I go back 63 days in his post and sure enough, written right there in the description of the challenge, the winner will be chosen at random. Wally that was the best sentence I forgot to read in my life because had I read that I would have never started my fitness journey like in the with Beachbody at least that's for sure and I would have never had the success that I have now and it's I, I look back and I'm like thank God I forgot to re- read that sentence because I'm so competitive that that's that competitive fire is what brought me to where I was and so he announces the winner it's some 110 pound girl in Topeka Kansas or so I don't know where she was but it wasn't me <laughs> And mm-hmm. I, I didn't win the birthday challenge, but I I was at that point that I, st- I everything was kind of uh, kind of snowballed into you know my success with Beachbody with the Beachbody challenge and things like that and then you know coaching and things like that. But yeah, that's how it all started. And you know, from that this, that it's so, it was so funny because so many people hope and pray for this huge. Uh, you know, whatever it is, this, this this big thing that's going to, or event that's going to push them to start. And I had a big event in October when a doctor told me that I'm gonna die at 30. That didn't get me to start. What got me to start was something as simple as a New Year's resolution and an infomercial. Two things that are not big, life-changing moments. I didn't need a big, life-changing moment to start my journey, nor does anybody else. My journey, my 160-pound weight loss journey started with an infomercial and something as that gets mocked every single new year's is that new year's resolution people make fun of it people say that it's ridiculous people you know make fun of those people who who end up quitting and mine changed my life in 2013 so i will never be one of those people that mock it because although it's not this huge you know do or die situation it's still something and it still helped me change my life so every new year's i always you know, host a group of people that want to start their New Year's resolution, and 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 I try to help them push their way through. Especially this time of year, where this is being recorded in February. Uh, yeah, this time of year, it's always tough, and, and so this is kind of that crunch time. That you know, when your New Year's resolution is on the brink, you know, now is where you push through. So that it's it's just amazing that those those two little things—an infomercial and a New Year's resolution—changed it all for me.
0: Man, I'm telling you what, that is definitely one hell of a story, and I knew much of it, but I did not know that birthday story, and that just blows my (laughs) mind. And I say this all the time. I say this to our abundant leaders out there and to everybody in general, is when people talk about how life changes occur, how people change drastically, I've heard this before, there has to be a significant emotional event involved. And I'm, I'm contrary to that. I'm like, that is not true. I've seen people go through significant emotional events and not change, but then I've also seen people just snap and just say, you know what, that's done. I'm done. I'm not smoking no more. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired, whatever it is. I'm tired of spending the money. I'm tired of smelling like this. I'm tired of not being able to, you know, having to pay for two seats when I travel on an airplane type of thing. Or I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm tired. I just can't walk outside with my kids and play in the backyard with them or whatever the case may be brother I've said it to you so many times before I commend you for it it's it's such a heartwarming thing I've never been in that situation
1: it's funny because we do talk about you know what does change lives and and you know you you broke you brought up the the military aspect and and I don't think and I want to kind of use use an analogy like, as far as a life-changing moment for them, for, for people in the military, is, like you said, when you are out there, you know, for us, as people who are changing their lives, like changing their diet, quitting smoking, things like that, there's never a life-changing moment there. Where, where there are life-changing moments is if you're on the battlefield and, you know, you're, you're in a truck and a bomb goes off and you lose your legs. That's a life-changing moment because at that moment, at exact moment, your the entire life after that has to change. It has to change, right? And whereas when it comes to like a health and fitness journey, it's a day-to-day-to-day-to-day thing. Every single day is different. I didn't quit fast food and then immediately lose 160 pounds the next day. That's not how it worked. It was an ongoing thing. It's an everyday battle where it's way different than – because people think I need this life-changing moment. Well, no, The life cha- there is no life-changing moment. It's a bunch of moments over the course of whatever it is, a year, two years, three years, some people five years, that, that ends up allowing you to look back. Because the thing is, when I started my journey, January 1st, 2013, I was not the person that I needed to be to finish my journey. You know, when I, if, If I was that exact person throughout my entire journey, I would have failed and I wouldn't have made it. I had to change and I had to continue to change over and over and over again. So it's not like that decision or that moment at the doctor's office changed my life. It was the journey that changed my life. It was every single day in between that changed my life. And you know, people are looking at their goal, they're looking at this mountain that they have to climb in order to hit their goal, thinking that the person that they are right now is the person that they need to be to to conquer that goal, and they just aren't, they aren't that person, and they don't need to be that person. They need to be the person that can get through today without going through a drive-through. They need to be the person that can get through today without making an excuse as to why they can't work out, why they can't treat their bodies well. They need to be the person today that will not go and purchase cigarettes, or only smoke one cigarette today as opposed to eight you know they need to be that person today then tomorrow they need to be the, the person that will take them to the next step so people are so worried that they're not strong enough and guess what they're not but there's they're not strong enough to to accomplish their goal they're strong enough to win today and that's all you need to be and the, those days compounded you get better and better and better and soon enough you are at the top of that mountain looking back at that person that you were when you started and you're like wow i am i have conquered so much because I focused on today and not on, you know, that huge goal that I have in front of me.
0: Brilliant, exactly. And you had one other key element and you got that element and you asked for that element because you put yourself out there and you asked for accountability partners. Now regardless of what their motivation was, (laughs) either either to poke at you or to get back at you for whatever you must have done to them or whatever. Whatever the motivation was, they were there to hold you accountable. And I just think that's priceless. And so many people, we have this conversation about, um, well, I have these goals and I have these dreams and aspirations, but I don't want to tell anybody because somebody out there is going to try to take that from me. Or they're going to try to put me, you know, talk, say, you can't do that. Who do you think you are to do something like that? You know what? Mm-hmm. It's my belief. This is just me because there is some truth to that. But it's my belief that, you know what? I, I just got to cloud those people out. I got to, you know, forget about that, not listen to that and accept the people that are willing to come out and help me and do what I want to do. And maybe even provide me some further resources that I didn't know about. So how much did that impact in your journey?
1: Well, it's funny because, um, I actually, right now I'm, I'm shifting my focus to help people bring those things out a little more. But in the beginning of my journey, I was always scared to talk about that doctor's visit. I actually didn't even tell my wife or my friends or my family about that doctor's visit until a year into my journey. I didn't talk to anybody about it uh, because I, I was so embarrassed by it. Embarrassment is the biggest deterrent that we face, especially in America, with the with social media and with all of these avenues that people have into our life. So many people share their highlight reel on their social media And they end up, because they get so much good reaction from people from there, they end up taking that to their real life. And because of all of that, the psychology of it is, now people are just sharing their highlights with the world and not sharing their lowlights. And it's not that, I mean, trust me, there are uh, trolls and bullies on the internet. But when it comes to our actual friends, if we just simply share those things those negative those those low lights those negative things in our life you're going to get more support in those moments than in any good moment you share you will get more me twos that's what i call them mm-hmm. the thing that i tell people the most to reach for especially like coaches or people that are just looking for help is get somebody to say me too get somebody to hear what hear your story and say oh my god the way you just put that I've been trying to share that with the world in that exact same way, and I just had no idea how to how to do it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to help you. I want to be with you. I want to work with you in this in this goal that you have of you know getting healthy or whatever it is, quitting an addiction, those types of things. For me, that's what I did. I started telling my story and I started putting it out into the world, and there was my entire social media up until that point was my highlights and once I started sharing with people that I was actually struggling there were people out there that were like yes obviously you were struggling like my best friends are like yes thank God he's finally talking about this because we didn't know how to bring it up to him we didn't know how to talk to him about this we all saw him gaining weight but he was a stubborn guy he he could he tries to cover everything up and we didn't want to be the one to like tell him to stop or tell him to you know stop eating stop you know, uh, drinking, stop, you know, using chewing tobacco, these types of things that I was doing when I was destroying my body, even my own wife didn't know how to tell me. And finally, when I came out and I was like, look, here's where I know I'm at, and here's where I wanna be, people started running towards me, wanting to help me out. Um, And I will be forever grateful for that. That was the single, uh, apart from marrying my wife, the single greatest moment of my life was when I finally came out and told people that I wasn't perfect and that I admit that. And these are the things that I'm working on to try to become a better person and try to take care of myself.
0: That's a very good point. And if anybody wants to question that, and you you are on Facebook, just go to any of your Facebook feeds, any of your friends. Count the number of likes and comments on those posts that have some sort of a vulnerability to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, somebody lost a grandparent or a family member, somebody is struggling with something or other, whatever it is, you're going to see many more emotions and comments on those type of posts and uh, on those type of entries than you will just about anything else, especially if somebody posts up something like, Hey, I just started a new business today. That's a good news story. And it, and it kind of, is a the way I look at it anyway is kind of a threat to some other people. Uh, so there's crickets. <laughs> it's a good news story for that individual, but yeah. Yep,
1: and, and that is funny. And, and you know, obviously there's there's the stigma to you know people starting businesses or whatever. And a lot, like you said, there's two sides to that. The one side is they're like, oh my god, are they gonna are they gonna start emailing me or, or sending me messages about some whatever business I don't believe in, and the other side is like, mm-hmm. I really wish I was doing that, <laughs> and I'm not doing it, so I'm going to be mad, I'm going to be bitter. Uh, but it's funny, when, it, when we get back to like sharing your vulnerabilities, there's definitely a line there, and I think you know this Wally, there's a line of actual vulnerability, actual issues that you have, and, and that you're dealing with, and that you're becoming vulnerable about, and then the sob stories the yeah oh yeah absolutely you know what i mean the the uh uh 10 posts in a row about some kind of whatever that you're dealing with and you just want people to say you know to come on your your facebook and tell you oh i'm so sorry you know and people tony robbins talks about this all the time the attention seeking people those people exist and those people are not what they are not who we're talking about right now the attention seeking people, they know exactly what they're doing, they're very calculated and trying to get attention. We're talking about true, real vulnerability here, um, that when you put that into your posts and when you put that out out into the world, the amount of support you'll get, real support is, is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, don't be one of those people that's attention-seeking <laughs> that just kind of wants to raise your hand in class and talk about whatever uh, you know, whatever you're dealing with at the moment. Um, because but there's definitely a line. I'm called a law of diminishing returns there, where uh, where you're not going to get the response you actually want.
0: Yeah, absolutely correct. There's no doubt about that, and. It- it's very blatant and generally people see right through it and some will throw out some sympathy emotions to them or something like that. But generally it's, it's very evident of what they're doing. So you yeah, definitely don't want to be that person. So now speaking of your lovely wife, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I yeah. was rooting for you guys so much, so much when, when uh, she was on the episode of chopped yep. and because my wife and I, my whole family, we all watch chopped and we're just really big, even though I I personally see it as just, I keep saying, it's so unrealistic. There's no way in the world you're going to cook like that. But it's a competition. I got it. You know, but talk a little bit about that. What was that experience like?
1: Oh, man. So, well, thank you for your support, first of all. Uh, that was a very nerve-wracking day uh, for, for all of us, especially my wife. Actually, probably she was the one that was least nervous of, of all of us. So kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So... My wife, she's an incredible chef. She was a chef out in Las Vegas at a place called Milos. Uh, She was one of the people who opened that restaurant. Um, And that restaurant right now is still to this day one of the greatest restaurants on the planet Earth. And so she was a part of kind of the beginning stages of that. So, and she worked for Emeralds restaurant out in Vegas and this was all right after college. And and yeah, and then uh, when we moved home to Pennsylvania, she got this job at this tapas restaurant in Philadelphia, and long story short, uh, her restaurant was named best tapas in Philadelphia so many times that they stopped giving the award out. <laughs> and so, Chopped comes calling, right? And the Food Network comes calling, and and they have her fill out an application. And the problem with Chopped is that you kind of have to build the drama for these characters in the show or these, or these chefs in the show. And there has to be a lot of drama in their life. Well, she really doesn't associate herself with a lot of drama. And so, uh, she really didn't have that much of a story to tell. And, you know, chopped. they don't care if you're the greatest chef on the planet. If you don't have a story to tell, then, then they're probably not going to take you. But she was such a good cook that they decided we're going to pin her up. And she was, ve- she's, she's a very girl power kind of, kind of, kind of girl. Um, and she's very gung ho about, you know, there should be more female chefs and, and, and things like that. So that was kind of what she was talking about. So they pinned her up against three guys, three very good male chefs. <laughs> and, uh, They're good. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so it was, it was, that was amazing. But so how the day works is she leaves for New York at like five, four o'clock in the morning, and she can't contact me until she's done, until she's completely done with the show. Well, we had some inside information from some other people who uh, who had been on the show in Philly, and they basically said, "Keep your eye on the clock because if she makes it past 4 p.m., that means she made the first cut. <laughs> and if she makes it past 8 p.m., then she made it through the second cut, and then if she if she makes it to 10 p.m., that means she was one of the final two. So if you don't hear from her until 10 p.m., <laughs> she's she's in the finals. And these I cannot tell you how slow." these hours went by you know i was gonna i was supposed to go up there to new york but there's no studio audience we can't like sit and watch so i would have just had to been up there like acting like a tourist up there in new york when i was like literally out out of my mind nervous i'm like no i'm just gonna go to work i'm gonna go do other stuff and keep myself busy while this is going on four o'clock rolls around no call eight o'clock rolls around no call 10 o'clock rolls around no call Eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock. I'm like, what is going on? This is like, and it's like, this is like midnight. And then I finally get a call, and I'm like, how did you do? And she's like, I did really well. And I'm like, well, how good is really well? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, I've been sitting here for o- for over twelve hours waiting for this. And I just said, did you win? And she goes, yep. <laughs> oh my God. And that was that. And uh, you know, if you go back and watch the episode, um, she was flawless, man. And throughout yeah, the entire, episode,
0: I've definitely seen it.
1: It was uh, it's season twenty. The episode's called "Why Not." If anybody else wants to check it out, her name's Lindsay McLean. She's the chef at uh, Hamanera. Uh, uh, it's on Thirteenth Street in Philadelphia. Amazing tapas restaurant. Highly recommended. Obviously, I'm kind of biased, but um, but yeah, it, she she was flawless, and and she's really. I can, you know, it's funny. Like I, I use her when I, in some of my speaking engagements, to kind of talk about the compare and contrast, you know, uh, uh, something really important that people love to talk about, um, and they love to talk about how privileged individuals usually get the upper hand and usually get ahead in life. They usually are the ones that that succeed, you know, if they if they come from from privilege and. I, I use this example, and I've kind of already given away the, the, uh, you know, the, the end of it, but I'll give you two scenarios, Wally, of, um, of two people and their journey and kind of where they ended up. So number one example is a person who both, both parents owned a business, very wealthy, lived in a very nice neighborhood built their you know three-story house with the pool in the back in one of the most prestigious neighborhoods um the this individual attended the best schools had the best advantages um you know was always given now he had to work that person had to work he had to work for his parents he had to, you know work every summer was an athlete had to you know balance school athletics music all of these different things had all the pressures of high school but he didn't really have to want anything because if he did want something, then he'd get it. And, you know, that's how he was raised and that's how he was brought up um, and ended up going to school on a full scholarship, you know, got bells and whistles, everything, won bowl games as a student athlete, all of this stuff, always won, always won in everything that he did. And then there's a scenario too is a person who was um, you know, was raised by a mother who, a teenage mother, you know, um, she, her mom had her when she was 15, her mom's mom had her when she was 16, so the third generation of teen mothers didn't have a father in the picture, uh, and, um, eventually, uh, her mom remarried, and another man raised her, she didn't have anything, her mom was a hairdresser, her dad was a mechanic. You know didn't really you know amount to anything as far as you know they're living paycheck to paycheck if this person wanted anything they had to go out and work for it ended up going to school paying her way through school and flash forward to when these two people are 25 one of them is in a doctor's office being told that he has an addiction that's going to kill him he has no job because he lost his job and couldn't find another job and he's, and he's hearing from a doctor that he's going to die because of what he put himself through as an adult. And the other one is one of the greatest chefs in Las Vegas coming to Philadelphia, one of the greatest chefs in Philadelphia. You know, and if you could, I mean, if, obviously you know the answer to this, mm-hmm. but when people would guess, you know, who was the successful one? Well, it was probably the one that had all the privilege. Absolutely not. My wife was person B. You know, she worked for everything. and, and what does that story tell you? Well, it's not the, it's not the, the you know, definitive answer to if you struggle, then you're going to be successful. But what it is is it shows you that you can't necessarily say that the people who were brought up and had everything handed to them that they are going to be successful. You can't just use that as an excuse because for my wife and I, me being person A – and my wife being person B, and that those are both true stories. That's how we were brought up, and that's how we were raised. I'm not saying my parents were even bad parents, or her parents were good parents. It doesn't matter what it is, but that idea that privilege is what pushes you further in life—it's just not—it's just not the case. And and our story proves it. Um, and that's something that I talk about all the time because I'm the one that ended up the addict, ended up the one that was that wasn't performing and my wife who was given nothing performed every single place she went and was always successful you know and me after college i was always failing and so and you know i can't say that that the way i was brought up that's that's the because of the way i was brought up that, that that's what happened but i also can tell you that i was brought up with every privilege in the world and i wasn't successful until i had to basically like I, like i said change my life to get to the point that I am at today so it's just a, uh, an example for people out there who who are using that excuse you can't use that excuse and we are the perfect example
0: absolutely absolutely very amazing story and very true story and on fact of the matter is it is a true story but it's, it's absolutely right. a true story on so many accounts and it, you just never you never know it's all about the individual and ultimately what they want to end up doing in life and we all end up in our journeys for one reason or another and we can't fault each other for that it's just how it ends up my thought process is if i you know when we find people like that that are on the wrong path it's my responsibility to at least have a conversation with them see about trying to get them connected with the right people to get them on the right path and i would hope somebody would do the same for me that's absolutely just what we do so david at this point we are going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders you ready to do that absolutely all right give men of abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today
1: I would say uh, an important actionable step for everyone uh, is and this I'm gonna take it a, not as as a weight loss thing or, or as a health thing but I want you because I know there are a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this I know there are a lot of people that are trying to take control of their business take control of their life in one way or another I'm sure there are some coaches listening to this uh, and what I want you to do first and foremost Because like I said, what I'm trying to do now with my business is I'm not as much a fitness and health motivator as I am a storytelling motivator. I I call myself like the guru of attention. (laughs) I want people to get people's attention because right now the hardest thing in the world to do, Wally, is keep people's attention. We went from probably before the internet, people had a 20 minute attention span. Now it's six seconds, six seconds. In the course of this entire podcast, i probably lost people. You know, people probably look at their phone probably 15, 20 times. And so now in my job, what I want to do is I want to help people keep people's attention for as long as possible. And the way to do that is to be really, really good at speaking and telling your story. So the first actionable step to that, it, when it comes to telling your story, if you are somebody that wants to use your story become a motivational speaker, the first thing you need to do is be really, really freaking honest with yourself about those things in your life that you you were really struggling with. Too many times we talk about people sharing their highlight reel or brushing over the things that really, really did impact their life. People are scared to share these things because they're scared to get vulnerable. They're scared to get honest. And what I want you what I always tell people to do when they're struggling with how to present their story and when they're saying I don't have anything of value to share with the world or I think I have something valuable, but it doesn't seem to be getting people's attention. The best way to get people's attention is to be really, really honest with yourself. Step one is be super honest with yourself. Write those things down. And step two is get a partner, get somebody, whether it be a coach, a mentor, somebody that you can talk to about these things and and really work this story out. Somebody that's going to be honest with you. Honesty is a a big theme in my life. Those people should be honest with you. They should tell you what a part of your story sucks. (laughs) Some people have parts of their story they think are this huge big moment, and they're like, yeah, that's the same big moment as everybody else. That quote that you're using is the same quote that I've seen on Instagram 1,500 times. How can we make that yours? How can can we trim the fat from your story to make it something impactful, to make it something that works for people? and that really grabs their attention. So number one, obviously be honest with yourself, be able to dig into those things that, and be able to share those things that you've never shared with people because those are the moments that are gonna get people's attention. Number two is get a mentor and work with them as much as possible to tell your story. And the third one is 10,000 reps. 10,000 reps, no matter what it is, no matter what you're trying to be good at, it takes 10,000 reps at least to become an expert, to become the guru. So do not think that you're just going to be good at something. Don't think that you're going to be bad at something because the first couple of times you were bad at it. You know, it, trust that it always takes 10,000 reps to be good at anything. One of the things I talk about the most is when people look at other people, people come up to me all the time and say, they say two things. They say, number one, they're like, um, you have such a gift of public speaking. Like it's such a gift. And when I hear that the first time I'm like okay thanks. If I hear that again I'm like no 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 no. I got to stop you there. This was not a gift. This was not a blessing. I earned this. I worked my tail off to become a good public speaker. I worked my tail off to learn how to read a room and express my story and get people's attention. I worked really really hard. I'm probably at like rep 8000 right now on on you know telling my story and expressing it in a certain way. And you know the other thing that people say is, they're like, they look at me as if I'm some kind of superhero, some kind of public speaking superhero. Well, there are no superheroes, Wally. We're all the same. And every trait we have, we developed. They weren't gifts, they weren't blessings. I wasn't born with this superpower. Pretty much the only blessing and gift that there is, is the is like when people are tall or short. Because <laughs> you can't really change that. But when it comes to traits, you develop those every single day, no matter what the trait is. So if you see a trait in somebody else, that you admire, stop admiring it and go after it. Go get it, go, go get that trait, whatever it is. Public speaking, the ability to write, the ability to uh, work out every day and have that discipline, whatever that is. Develop that trait yourself and do so over 10,000 repetitions. Be honest with yourself, get somebody who's gonna be honest with you and help you and push you and then do it 10,000 times. Whatever that thing is, if you wanna become an expert, do it 10,000 times. Those are my three things and that's what I tell people all the time. You're not going to be great on your first rep. You're going to be great on your 10,000th rep. Are you willing to put the work in to make that day happen? Are you willing to put in the repetitions to make that day happen? If you are, nothing's going to stop you. Nothing, No person, no, uh, no, no Facebook post, no troll on the internet will stop you if you truly believe that those ten thousand reps. Once there, once you once you accomplish those, you're going to be the expert at whatever it is. Anything you want, any trait, anything you see in somebody else that you admire, you can have, if you do it that many times. And if you are always honest with yourself, you're self-aware. You have somebody that's going to call you on your crap and help you out. And then at, and then on the third time, you put in that work. And so those are the three things. Those are the three keys to really be successful, changing any trait about yourself whatever it may be I could Wally I could not speak like this when if you would have met me in 2012 and 2013 you would never want me on your podcast <laughs> I'll tell you that much because I had no ability to express anything the way I express it now uh, and tell any story the way I tell it now so that's what I do now now I help people with their story I help people express their story and, and express it in a way that gets people's attention and helps whatever it is it may help their business it may help them along the way and just communicating with other people. It may help them uh, present a business proposal or make a sale in whatever they're doing or you know, pitch something or in public relations, marketing, anything like that. It all starts with you being able to tell your story and once you're able to tell your story and, and develop all those traits that I work with people on to tell your story in such a way that is compelling and grabs attention, Then you could take all those little tidbits of just from that, just from learning that that skill, and take it to the rest of your life. Uh, And so those three things is 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 pretty much how we start uh, when I work with people on those types of things.
0: Absolutely wonderful, and I got to tell you, um, and I'm sure you're going to attest to this, agree. When I met you, you had just you were just on the back end of your weight loss journey. Um, when you were in the uh, one of the other Beach Body challenges and brother I don't remember you talking like this back then <laughs> uh, it, seriously you've come a long ways even in, even though you had already lost 150 pounds 100 over 100 pounds um, it, it just it didn't come out like it just did just then so I commend you man it's just amazing and um, men of abundance exactly what he said spot on so David what daily habits make up the biggest impact in your life today
1: my my habits that are most impactful are it's actually you know what I'll just break it down it's having habits Uh, I think especially in in Pennsylvania in you know the Northeast New York New Jersey places like this where it's really fast paced life is fast paced I think that we get into these patterns that if not addressed will kill us Um, and that's what happened to me I didn't address my patterns and because I didn't have habits, I just had these patterns that I went through. And the, one of those patterns was going through a drive-through. And I think if we address the fact that we know that, you know, making, making a habit of having habits, <laughs> if that mm-hmm. makes sense, you know, <laughs> yeah. literally writing it down, scheduling out your day. Uh, one of the things that I, that, that I do and I stress every single day is having a schedule for my day. What am I doing today? Where are the little pockets of time that I can add personal development to my life or add value to somebody else's life. Um, And I schedule that out every day. Um, You know, one of my my favorite habits is waking up an hour before I should and just sitting down to a cup of Bulletproof coffee and, you know, that's my breakfast and just sitting there in silence and really comprehending what is possible today. What is possible today? 99% of the time, I do not accomplish what is possible today because when I my dreams are always bigger <laughs> when I look at it. I'm like, what can I accomplish today? I can change 10 people's lives today, and guess what happens? I, I maybe changed three, but had I not had that vision of starting a journey with 10 people, I would have never helped three, and I would have never started with three. So I always make sure that the beginning of my day begins with a vision. And then starts with that with that action step of of you know writing out my schedule. What is that going to look like? Um, so so I highly recommend using your vision and you know creating that first action step. But at the same time, schedule things out and write it down. Set alarms in your phone. I set an alarm on my phone sometimes uh, for you know, if I ha- if I know I have a, a a span of time where I am going to have some free time or I'm going to have some downtime. I'll set an alarm for whatever that time is. Say I have a two o'clock meeting and a four o'clock meeting. Well, somewhere around three o'clock, I'll set an alarm that'll just say, message someone. And you know, that's what I'll do. I'll jump on my Facebook, I'll jump on my text, and I'll be like, and I will literally just send a message to anyone. It could even be my mom. My mom's gotten 20 messages from me, of, like, how are you doing? And just ask them how they're doing. And just start that conversation and see if I can help out in any way. Um, you know, I especially love doing this with Beachbody coaches because Beachbody coaches, and I think we've talked about this before, but anybody that's in the field of helping other people, very rarely does anybody ask them if they need help. Very rarely does anybody reach out to helpers to ask them if they need help. I love doing that. I That's my favorite thing to do, because when I reach out to them and ask them if they need help, they need a lot of help. <laughs> they always want to have a conversation, and um, and I think that's really important too, to not only take care of myself, but to make sure that at some point in my day I'm taking care of others.
0: That's a very good point. What book would you recommend to our uh, abundant leaders and why?
1: The book that started kind of my journey. uh, It's called uh, Man 2.0, and that is it's engineering the alpha. Why do I love this book? Because it's called Man 2.0, and I'm a man. No. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Good reason. But it's funny because a lot of the PD books that we see are geared towards women, women, or they say it's an entrepreneur book, entrepreneur book, and really it's like, you know, become a girl boss. It's like, okay, I can't like, I mean, I'll read it, but I can't be seen reading it. You know, I got to read it at night, like by myself. <laughs> but right, well, now I have your podcast. I'm subscribed to you, so now I got, I can just, I can like wave this phone around, like, look, I'm listening to Men of Abundance. I uh, <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, so yeah, the book is called Man 2.0: Engineering the Alpha. Uh, and it's by uh, Steve Ranella and Adam Bornstein. Or, excuse me, John Romanello and Adam Bornstein. And uh, really, really good book just from literally, it, it covers almost everything. Um, Adam Bornstein and John uh, Romanello are two people that you should follow on social media. Uh, you spell John's last name R O M A N I E L L O. And so follow those guys. They are two. Uh, guys guys but they are very good at everything from building relationships all the way to you know eating well balancing your hormones uh, building more muscle burning more fat all of that stuff and then even just having better relationships with your friends with your family things like that um, really really a great book to kind of kickstart your your journey if you're a guy out there uh, really seeking some some kind of book that you can open up and really connect with and relate to
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's one that has not been recommended. I have heard of it, but it hasn't been recommended on this show. I'll definitely be looking that up and I'll have those that book linked up in the show notes along with the link so you can go ahead and get your 30-day free trial of Audible. I know you guys listen like to listen to audiobooks, I know I do, and if you're listening to this podcast, you like listening to your content instead of reading it when you have a chance. Uh, so you'll get a 30-day free trial of Audible, and you get a free book. And if this book is on Audible, and I will have that linked up there as well. So I have one more question for you, David, and that is, what does living a life of abundance mean to you?
1: Well, I've, i like I said, I've listened to your podcast, and I've kind of molded this this question over a couple of times, and and really for me, living a life of abundance is the feeling that I get now when I know that what I did yesterday was enough for me to wake up today and feel good about myself. Um, And there's a lot that goes into our lives. There's a lot of times, you know, when you see a, whatever, a, a 63 day workout program and you have to work out all but four days, there's a good chance you're not gonna be able to do that for one reason or another because life gets in the way. But if you just go into every day knowing that you put enough effort in to make the next day count and to feel good about yourself, and being honest with yourself, that's how you know you're living an abundant life. Being self-aware is so important. I think we tend to walk around way too much with this fake facade of who we are. And we present that to the world so many times that we start to believe it. And because of that, we can never really get anywhere with ourselves. We can never really make a a real change because we're never being honest with ourselves. We're never actually looking inside of ourselves to dig into why we do the things that we do. Why do we do we pick up these bad habits? You know, why do we, you know, resort to cigarettes when we're dealing with stress? Or why do we cope with bad food? You know, why, are the, why do these things happen in our life? And it's because we just don't take time to address ourselves and be self-aware. If you want to live an abundant life, you have to be self-aware. You have to know who you are. You have to know why you do things. You have to be honest with yourself. And you also have to be able to accept the fact that just because you're flawed doesn't mean you're bad, doesn't mean you're, you're, you're a failure, uh, you know. We all have an abundant amount of potential that never becomes performance if, and that never becomes reality if we're not honest with ourselves and we're not real and we're not self-aware. So if you want to live an abundant life, be self-aware, be real with yourself, and, and, and don't, don't lie to yourself because you only got oneself. You can't just be, you can't constantly be lying to yourself and lying to others about your life and, and making excuses after excuse after excuse and telling a different story, telling the wrong story, you know, telling a story that you made up rather than one that you actually lived. I promise you your story is good enough to change people's lives and I promise you that if your story is not good enough right now, you can create a story in what you do from here on out that will change somebody's life if that's what you really want to do. So that self-awareness is so important when it comes to be, to living an abundant life.
0: Beautiful, beautiful answer. I really love that. And one point I want to make is that you said, you know, about being flawed. And so many people are, are critical of their own flaws. The fact of the matter is every single person I've ever talked to that's been of anything of significance in their life, regardless of the vocation, regardless of the income, regardless of what they've done, they've, every last one of them, has flaws and flaws being plural. The difference is is they've identified them, they relate to them. Some of them even capitalize on them. They turn their mess into their message and they're doing beautiful things in the world because of that. Just as David has. David had one hell of a mess on his hands in his health and it was destroying his his life and everything else. He, and he turned that mess into a message and He's, he's creating a better life for himself and so many other people. And David, I truly appreciate you for it. I've always admired you for that. And I further admire you for having the courage to go out and get in other people's face, because that's what you do when I watch your Facebook videos. Mm-hmm. You're in other people's face, and you're telling them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And it's just an amazing thing to watch.
1: I'll be honest, that's kind of my approach to this and that's kind of what separates me from a lot of other people if you read through some of my messages that I have with people about you know when they, de- when they decide that they want to share their story with the world or they want to become a better speaker the message threads that we have like it's it's like rated R like you can't like you don't show it to your kids because the conversations are real and raw and I tell people flat out you're lying to me I don't say it like that I say I use a couple mm-hmm. expletives but you're lying to me about, about this part of your journey I can tell Just by knowing you and by talking to you. Uh, And, you know, I do bring that out of people, bring the realness out. That's my goal. Um, And really, what it all comes down to, like you said, you know, I'm able to share my journey and and things like that. It all comes down to taking responsibility for my past and using that to be able to, to then take responsibility for my future. I don't think people take responsibility for their past enough. And, like you said, some people will raise their hand and say, yeah, I failed before. And then they'll tell you, who made them fail, or what made them fail, rather than saying I failed because I didn't do this, or I was thinking this way, or you know I let myself do this, and they don't take ownership. And but I want to—I help people take ownership of whatever it is, wh- whether it's divorce, addiction, you know, uh, gaining weight, all of that stuff. That's my biggest goal when I talk to people, and that's like literally step number one is we get down to that honesty, that that you know responsibility part of it. And yeah, sometimes it's not always uh, PG, but it, it gets the job done. And, and yeah, that's that's my goal. I, I, uh, I even if I have to scare it out of people, <laughs> I'll get it out of them one way or another.
0: Well, man, if you're looking for somebody like Dave to help you out in whatever it is that you're doing, some of the stuff that he has just mentioned, as a matter of fact, you can find Dave on Facebook, and he's at Beach Beachbody Big Dave. Yep. So that's it. you'll find him on Beachbody Big Dave, and don't worry about it, I'll have it linked up, I'll have his link in the show notes at menofabundance.com forward slash 076, and that's where you'll be able to find all the links to everything we've just been talking about, along with timestamps, because this was a long one, so <laughs> I'm going to have timestamps so that you can go to that point of interest that you want to get to, this is one to go back and listen to a couple times. You know, I'm kind of selfish in doing these podcasts sometimes, because quite frankly, like when David was talking he's talking to me. I'm listening. I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. And um, I've got, I'm booked up all this week for guests. So I'm going to be all kinds of pumped up. So uh, (laughs) David, I appreciate you coming on brother. I appreciate you sharing your story and the story with your beautiful wife and her blowing it out of the water and unbelievable win at chop. That was just so amazing. And um, anything we can do for you, brother, just let me know.
1: Well, Wally, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story. Your story is a great one, too. Uh, and, And this podcast is incredible. And it's so needed right now. Uh, there's a, I, all the episodes that I've listened to There's a lot of vulnerability from a lot of very successful people And right now Men need to hear that more Than anything uh, That you know, we don't always have to be these big macho guys Walking into every room perfect uh, And so I love that your podcast Really digs deep into those types of things And asks those different questions So thank you so much for, for putting this out to the world It's so so important Keep doing what you're doing uh, I can't wait to see where, where Men of Abundance ends up
0: <laughs> it's exciting, man. I've got a lot of big plans for it. Thanks again, David. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for sticking around all the way to the end. I'm sure you did because that was a very captivating conversation. I really look forward to hearing what your thoughts are on this conversation, so make sure that you get access to our Men of Abundance community on Facebook. The easiest way to do that is to go to menofabundance.com. On the top of the screen, you'll see where it says Members Only. Click on that at the bottom of that page. There's a little button that says join the community. Click on that. I will give you access to the community. And then you'll see this episode posted in there. Just comment right underneath the episode. Now go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward.
1: That's all for today, abundance leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.